And welcome to Talk to Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. I'm Bill Newman. And we are both really very fortunate that uh, we have a regular guest in Todd Gazda, who is the executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services, um, who talks about all things education. And uh, one of the things, Todd Gazda, that is really, well, it's on the front pages, um, throughout the Commonwealth and certainly throughout this region, is the financial woes of so many of our school districts, Northampton, uh, Mayor G.L. Chiara, uh, and the city council has to deal with the fact that likely going to have to ask for a Proposition 2.5 override because of school budget woes. The same is happening in Amherst, where there's approximately over $2 million shortfall in that budget. The Southampton Select Board agreed last week to withhold paying its quarterly assessment to the Hampshire Regional School District in response to the ongoing budget, uh, the way the budget's being handled there and district after district. And I believe that uh, you, as executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services, Todd Gazda, you have something like 37 districts which you to which you provide services and advice. Um, so question is, how do you view these budgetary woes that so many districts are suffering from? These are really tough financial times uh, to try and manage the school district, whether it be the superintendent, the school committee, or even the community. Um, communities are dedicated to their schools uh, and they want to provide funding, but you know, there's only one pot of money that you're drawing from. So if you give more money to the school, you may be pulling more money from police or fire uh, or other town services. And so you know, you're trying to weigh um, you know, the needs of the community uh, with a limited pot of money. Uh, and so that creates tensions uh, between various constituencies in the town. Uh, and you know, it's absolutely critical to have open lines of communication uh, between the school uh, department and the town side uh, in order to really move things forward in a collaborative manner because if you can work together uh, you're going to have a you know better result in the end well Bill before we went on the air you were talking about um, uh, so many aspects of a school budget these days from school choice to uh, well I should ask you, Todd Gast, there's, there's a lot more to pay for than just pencils and, uh, and desks in a school system. It is. I mean, creating a budget, you know, a budget is really a moral document. You pay for what you value. And so when you look at, you know, how a school system is put together, it's not just um, math, science, social studies, um, and English, it's language arts. You know, you have the you need to determine the breadth and scope of elective offerings you want to, you want to be able to offer in your schools because quite frankly, a lot of times it's those elective offerings that excite kids and get them, you know, uh, inspired and engaged in learning. Uh, and then it's things like band, uh, music programs, chorus, the arts. Uh, athletics uh, is huge for, you know, teaching kids how to work with a group and then all that comes with the learning opportunities for athletics. But you can't undersell the value that it has for some of our students in simply getting them to school. Uh, 
Uh, you know, I'm going to come to school because, you know, I know I have a soccer game later today. Uh, and so, you know, by engagement in sports, engagement in the school community engages them in learning. And so when you start to pull pieces out of that puzzle, you create gaps and holes that, that you know, really cause challenges for an educational system. And so in once as a superintendent and school committee builds their budget, there is always a balancing. You know, things that are hot button issues that always get parents in the community kind of you know riled up is if you have to, you know, cut back on the number of sports teams. That will, you know, get a result, you know, get engagement definitely in the process. Uh, if you have to cut back on band, if you have to cut back on electives, uh, class sizes uh, are really important uh, to uh, parents. And so if you say, I'm going to eliminate two elements elementary school teachers, and that's going to increase class sizes by two or three students. You know, once you start getting over 20 students in a classroom or 20, you know, up to around 25, you know, people start getting concerned. Uh, and then it, it can get uh, heated. It can get challenging. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're saying I got to cut $1.7 million out of my $35 million budget, it, it's got to come from somewhere. And, usually about 75% of uh, the funds in school district go to personnel. Okay. So 75% of school budgets go to pay for uh, salaries and, and benefits. Uh, you can only cut so much in terms of the amount of the budget dedicated to pencils and sharpeners and, uh, and physical plant and the like. Most budget cuts were going to come from cutting uh, people who work for the district. That's simply reality. So I, Todd Gossett, would ask you to spend another moment on what you were just talking about, which is what comes under the rubric of extracurriculars. And I am always reminded of the movie that Larry Hott made, of SciTech band Pride of Springfield, in which the movie tells the story about kids who were in a high school with an enormous dropout rate. But then there was the band the SciTech band, and if you're in the SciTech band for a year, your chances are like 95% that you'll stay in school and graduate as opposed to what had been a retention rate, uh, uh, ninth grade to 12th, of 50 or 55%. It's not extracurricular. It is the core of what gets a lot of kids to school. It's not extra, and I wish you would talk about that just for another moment if you would. It is. 100% um, you know the thing that gets many of our students to school uh, or are those areas that are labeled extra that aren't they're really integral to the educational uh, environment with our schools and so you know when but when you look at the, you look at it when you look at the pie that you're trying to divide up uh, and you're going what you know if I cut an English teacher my class sizes are going to go up to 30 um, kids in an English class in my high school uh, whereas yeah, okay, maybe I can have band, you know, four days a week and reduce a position or three days a week. But once you start to do that, you impact the, the ability to, de to deliver a quality program uh, as well as, you know, the impact it has on the students that it engages in the school community. So it is, it, it, but there's that balancing act. It's like, where are you going to pull it from? You know, everybody says, don't pull it from here. 
but they <laughs> and sometimes they're very willing to say pull it from there uh but you know it always has a ripple effect in where you take that money from. Oftentimes people say, well, just cut administrators. They're not in the classrooms. Uh, they're not working directly with teachers. But once you do you do cut administrators, you impact the climate and culture in that school. Then how do you manage uh, you know, disciplinary issues? How do you get teacher evaluation done? How do you do your mandated state reporting? Um, do you give it to teachers to do? You can't. I mean, they're loaded with doing what they should be, which is teaching. And so it always is a trade-off in that, um, and it's not not easy. And Director Tagasa, I think, well, looks like Dan is chomping at the bit. Yeah, I, I wanted to go back to something you said uh, about priorities, the core sort of uh, English, you know, social studies and all of that and science and math versus the extracurriculars. I mean, if you're going to make cuts... Don't, aren't you necessarily going to make more cuts in the sort of non-core essential elements? I mean, you were a superintendent, right, if I'm not mistaken, in Ludlow. Like, there's almost no way around it. And so I, I just want to know, like, what are the superintendents right now in Northampton and Amherst and East Hampton and Greenfield? What's going through their mind? I mean, are they looking at, okay, these are the less essential services and I'm going to have to trim this and I'm going to have to trim from essential? Or is it going to be severely more cuts in the – you know, administrative and try to save the the essential services. You know, it really is an all of the above, and I I will say that it, it's the process is different in each district. There's a uniqueness to how each district goes about it. When I was in Ludlow, I used to start usually about in October having the conversations. Um, and I would bring my administrative team together and say, all right, let's take a look at our current resources. Um, how, what are, where can we reduce to cover what we know is going to be a shortfall? So are there areas we can move money from um, maybe class sizes, uh, maybe the student population in second grades a little bit lower this year? Can we take one of those second grade teachers and move them to third grade? Um, can we uh, allow that second grade teacher, not fill that second grade teacher who's retiring and move that position to the special ed position that we need in the middle school? Um, and so it really is taking a holistic look at the school district, get in, it doesn't happen in isolation. The superintendent just doesn't sit there with a pen slashing stuff and moving stuff around. They have to work in conjunction with their administrative teams because they can tell you what the impact is on a daily basis in the classrooms. And then hopefully what's happening is those administrators are also having uh, conversations with kind of teacher leadership in the buildings. That does get difficult though, because when you're talking about budget, as I said, you, you're talking about like 70%, 5% of the school district's budget is personnel. And so you're talking about cutting positions. So you can't talk about cutting positions with, you know, people's colleagues it, it, because that just creates a, a very difficult dynamic. Um, and so sometimes it's difficult having those conversations, but you can have them on a, on a more, you know, a higher level to help set priorities and set strategic directions uh, for schools and districts. So it's hard uh, creating those conversations, but then there has to be a, you know, conversation happening at the same time with the leadership in the town. 
because at the end of the day, as I said, the town is pulling, and this is in, in a regional district. It's you know it's similar. You just have more towns that you're trying to deal with, and that can lead to challenges in uh, particularly when towns are in different uh, financial situations. But when you're talking with one municipal community, there has to be a very close communication between the school side and town side. But Executive Director Todd Gazda of the Collaborative for Educational Services, uh, uh, one of the real problems which just doesn't seem to go away is those costs, uh, there's school choice. There's uh, students want to go to uh, voc-ed because it has an offering that you can't get in your uh, in, in, in the regular public school uh, system. There's, um, there's uh, increased costs for uh, benefits for retirees of the district in health or, or life insurance or whatever. Those kinds of things just don't go away, and it makes there's not as much discretionary decision-making that can happen when you have these fixed costs you can't, that the law imposes on a district. Do I have that right? It does. And, you know, there's really two elements that you're, you're looking at here. Actually, it's three, because when you're talking about school choice, you're not talking about vocational. Uh, although parents are making a choice to send their students to vocational. When you're talking about school choice, you're talking about the school choice program where parents can elect to send their students to their child to another school district. And the state gives the receiving district $5,000 to help support the cost of that. Uh, vocational is a cost that comes strictly out of the town's budget, uh, and that one is substantially more, probably closer to about $20,000 uh, to pay for, um, probably a little bit under that, but for vocational education. I'm not sure the exact cost, but it's substantially more uh, of a cost uh, for vocational education uh, because you're supporting um, the, the full uh, education of that child in the book school. So that's a little bit different, but the challenge that school choice creates for some districts is balanced by the fact that it's a, a lifesaver for those receiving districts because they're getting money for each of those students. And so again, reflecting back on when I was in Ludlow, we had, we've got about a hundred and a little over a hundred school choice students into the Ludlow School District while I was there. Each one of those districts got about five, each one of those students got about $5,000, which was like a half a million dollars added to my budget. Uh, and that's a discretionary uh, fund that isn't tied specifically. So we could use it strategically to, say, uh, to save um, positions, to move it into different areas we wanted to focus on. So for us, um, school choice was great. But the problem is those students come from somewhere. In Ludlow, it was largely Springfield, uh, where we got our students from. But up here in the rural communities, it can really create a challenge when you see our smaller districts, say 50 kids, go to the district next door. Uh, and that creates a drain on that district that they're leaving. And that's where school choice can create a big challenge uh, and can be a negative. The other thing that you brought up was retirement, and people are living longer. And so when they retire, typically in most districts, uh, the, di the district in town will have to pay uh, some percentage of the cost of their health insurance. Uh, and so, you know, that creates a challenge. Um, and that's a cost that doesn't go away. We are going to continue our conversation with Director Todd Gasta of the Collaborative for Educational services. It's a really important uh, conversation that 
we are having. And I guess the question when we come back is, what do we do about this? Listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We welcome back to our show Todd Gazda, who is the executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services. He also has been the vice president of the Mass Association of School Superintendents, former longtime superintendent in the Ludlow Schools. Todd Gazda, we appreciate your insight based on your experience and your current uh, position as executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services, which gives you a bird's eye view and an important responsibility with regard to budgeting for various school districts in Franklin and Hampshire County. Take 30 seconds, if you would, please, and explain to us what is the Collaborative for Educational Services? So we are an educational service agency brought together by the 37 member districts in Hampshire and Franklin County. We work for them. Uh, We get no direct state funding other than grants and contracts that we apply for. So we don't get Chapter 70 funding or any direct funding from the state. We kind of have to, it's like running a business. We're a nonprofit, so we have to earn our money. But we take a holistic view at education and the problems that schools districts are facing and try to build solutions for them, um, kind of in a collective sense so that uh, we can build capacity across districts. Everything from health and wellness and community outreach. And um, we also uh, do a lot of early childhood work, tons of professional development. uh, And we run educational programming for the Department of Youth Services for the state of Massachusetts. And that's a big big program for us uh, that brings in some funds to help support all of the things that we do. So it's kind of tough to boil down into an elevator speech because of the breadth of services and offerings that our collaborative offers. Well, tell us a bit more, if you would, please, then, about the budgets that school systems and the budget issues school systems have to confront, such as and including uh, retirement, uh, health insurance, uh, and other costs that are in addition to school choice, which you've told us about. What are those other big big money items that school systems have very little control over and have to pay. Health insurance and health insurance is a huge driver of cost increases and has been for years now. Uh, And so it's difficult because when you kind of are given your percentage increase by the insurance company and you don't have a lot, you can try to negotiate it down a little bit, but it it creates, there's an upward push that you is from outside influences that you can't control. It's going to go up. Uh, and so that is a huge challenge. Another one is transportation. I just saw an email coming through today uh, about a, uh, one of our local districts that had to put out their busing contracts for bid, and they got one bid, and it was a 45% increase in their busing costs. Uh, and that's huge for our little districts. And so these are outside costs that drive into create external pressure on our budgets that we have to adapt to that we have very little control over. Um, One of the other 
challenges facing districts that I want to point out is hiring school hiring and finding school district personnel. Um, you know, the a business office within a school district can't run if you don't have the personnel there. And one of the toughest positions to fill in any school district, probably even harder than the superintendent right now, is school business managers, which are directly responsible for the finances of the district. Think of them as the chief financial officer for the district. Um, and so if you have difficulty finding a school business manager and the pool is really shallow, that creates challenges for districts trying to put together their budgets. And I, I know firsthand, I, I mean, I witness every year uh, at our town meeting in my town, um, the superintendent comes to talk about the school budget, but when we get a little bit weedy, it's the business manager who can actually explain where money is going and coming from. And it, the superintendent can only have so much knowledge and it's hard to find a good business manager. Why is that? Because there's no, it doesn't seem that there's like a dedicated pipeline uh, for school business managers. Uh, very few kids come out of high school and said, "I'm going to go to school to be a school business manager." It, it just so it's it's creating the knowledge and awareness and the need of that position because typically in a school district, that's a that's a good uh, it, the position that pays well too, um, particularly as the you know need to recruit comes in and, and you know you're recruiting from your neighbors a lot of times to find a business manager um which creates competition and upward push on salaries for those positions um but so a lot of times you'll find people who were in other realms within um the school district. I've seen former principals become school business, go through programs to become school business managers. Sometimes like people who've worked in payroll or accounts receivable will take courses uh, to learn how to be a school business manager, but it, it's hard. Uh, there's just no dedicated pipeline. Well, um, I, I teased before our last uh, pause that we were going to ask you how to solve the problems of every school district in Massachusetts. I think we're going to have to wait on that, Todd Guest. All I know is after listening to you, there's a whole bunch of children who wanted to be astronauts and firefighters when they grew up who said, no, now I want to be the executive director of the Collaborative for Educational Services. <laughs> Todd Gazda, thank yeah, you once it. again. <laughs> really appreciate your, your comments and your visits with us. A pleasure always. We're going to continue our, our celebration of Black History Month uh, with a special edition of Black in the Valley right after this. Well, I lay my line, baby, till that sun goes down. Well, I lay my line, baby, till that sun goes down. Then I meet my honey, she's the sweetest gal in town. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.